The following podcast is from Doxa Church in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. For more information about Doxa Church, please visit us online at www.doxachurch.org. Today's scripture is from Romans chapter 8, verses 26 through 30. It should be on the screen. It is, and it's also in the Bibles. Any Bible you have, it'll be in there. Uh, Okay. Serious. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called, and those whom he called, he also justified, and those whom he justified, he also glorified. This has been the reading of God's word. You may be seated. So I was having a pretty full uh, Tuesday morning. Um, sitting in the palatial Doxa Church offices. If you've been there, you know that's not true. But sitting in the palatial, palatial Doxa Church offices, and, and I, I had some stuff going on, and I, I get a phone call, and I look down, and I, I see who's calling me, and I know, like, I instantly know uh, this is not going to be a fun call. It's the, the representative of the foundation that we are asking to help us to be able to fund purchasing King's Campus. And our, our contract was up on this past Thursday, and on Tuesday I see this come in and I, and I know, I just I instantly know this is not gonna be the call that we are, are hoping for. And, and, and I pick up and I, and I talk to her, and she's very gracious and very kind and uh, very helpful and, and just very encouraging, most encouraging way that you can say no to somebody that you, that you can possibly imagine. That's what it was. It was a call saying, hey, no, we, we aren't, can't do this for you guys at this, at this juncture. And uh, so I, I hung up the phone and, man, I, I just be honest, here, here's the emotions that I had at that moment. I was, I was going to work out. I was, um, I was discouraged. Uh, just, just to be honest with you guys, and maybe you've experienced this before, like you hear about these cool things that happen to other people and you really hope like you're going to be one of those stories where it happens to you and then it, and then it doesn't. You feel a little bit, dis- not just like d- disappointed and sad, but I felt a little bit discouraged like, man, God, why for other people and, and not for us? Not, not, for, not for me, frankly. Why, why for other people but not for me? And then I felt a little bit embarrassed I felt embarrassed because we were very public about just trying to, to get into this building and we'd share with you guys and we'd share with the public and we'd, you know, talk with this church and talk with everybody, talk with these foundations. Like, we put it out there. We'd done everything we possibly could to put it out there to be as public as we possibly could. And a public, you know, a public ask becomes a public, you know, disappointment, a public, frankly, a little bit, I felt a little bit embarrassed at the moment. And then I felt a little bit also just kind of just honest, uh, just a, a, a last little wave of maybe relief, just because as hard as this is every week, is well, this, this is going to be a big challenge to move in there. And I thought, well, at least, you know, at least that's one thing I won't have to think about and deal with right now. And, and I sat there for a, a while, and I'm like, the thing that, the next thing that kind of rolled over me is like, I don't want to tell anybody. 
you know, this is bad news, this is sad news, this is disappointing news. Like, our leaders, our congregation, all you guys, like, we're, we invested time and energy and effort and prayer into this thing. We fasted for, for Fridays, weeks on end. We prayed for this thing, man. We, some of you guys, like, you, you gave and you sacrificed uh, money. You, you gave time. You, we, we really poured energy into this. And I'm like, man, I don't want to tell. I don't want to have to tell Dale and Jonathan. I don't want to have to tell my wife. I don't want to have to tell everybody else. I don't want to have to tell the congregation because when I see you guys, when I run into you in public, you're like, you like look at me and say, uh, any news? Any news? And finally, when I had news, it wasn't thing, something I wanted to share. And, and once I started to roll out, I just started to think about like, all right, how do I and how do we as a congregation respond to a setback like this? How do we respond to a disappointment whenever you've invested time and energy and effort and prayer into something to see something happen and it doesn't work out the way that you want it to? And we've all experienced that, haven't we? Like life is full of setbacks and disappointments. Things rarely work out like we planned and we expected and we hoped that they would. Our education doesn't work out quite like we hoped that it would. Either we, we're not able to get the education we wanted or we get the education we wanted and, and then we realize like there's no job in that field or, or maybe you owe a lot of money and it, or, just, or, and you, or you get into college and you're like, man, I'm not as smart as I thought I was and I'm not going to be able to do what I, what I always dreamed I was going to do. Our finances don't work out the way that we, ha- that we desire. There's a setback. You get called in the boss's office and he tells you, I'm, I'm sorry, but we're going to have to let you go and you're like, I've been here for, for 10 years. What am I supposed to do now? Our marriages don't work out like we expect them to. Some of us have found our, ourselves in situations and romantic relationships where it doesn't work out the way that we had hoped. Our friendships, our, our kids, that doesn't happen, it doesn't proceed like we hoped it would happen. Sometimes, don't we like, we find ourselves in situations we never dreamed we would be in. Some of you guys, some of, all of us probably, have found ourselves have, having done things that we never thought that we would do, and we have to deal with the repercussions and the setbacks afterwards. And the question is, what do we do when things don't work out the way that we hoped and we expected them to work out? How do we deal with setbacks? And specifically this morning, we're going to be talking about how do we as Christians deal with setbacks? Now, now if you're here this morning and you're not a believer, you're not a Christian, uh, I, I'm specifically talking about this morning from the text about how Christians deal with setbacks, but I want you to be listening as well because I want you to be thinking, how do you deal with setbacks whenever they come into your life? Because I think what we're going to see here is that being a Christian, being a child of God, gives us a way to deal with setbacks and disappointments in a way that no other person has. It gives us an assurance and a hope that nobody else has who is not a believer. But if you are a believer, we're going to see how do we deal with setbacks. We say, number one, that we remember that we have limited perspective. Secondly, we're going to remember that we have unlimited help. And thirdly, we remember that we have an ultimate future. 
If you're a believer, this is how you deal, this is how we should deal with setbacks. First of all, we remember that we have limited perspective. Secondly, we remember that we have unlimited help. And thirdly, we remember that we have an ultimate future. First of all, we remember that we have limited perspective. So what do you do when your prayer isn't answered? What do you do when things don't go according to plan? Whenever that happens, it's difficult to know how to properly respond, isn't it? Because sometimes you just want to like act like nothing happened and everything's okay. You just put a smile on your face and act like everything's normal whenever you're actually like you're sad and grieving inside. Or you, you're pushed to like want to go into depression and discouragement. We, sometimes it's even difficult to know how to pray whenever we're dealing with discouragement and setbacks, isn't it? Like how do I even approach this in prayer? What do I even pray for? What do I even ask for? And what, what we're left in the situation wondering is, what does, and this is what we're really dealing with when we, when we deal with a setback and discouragement, is we're asking, what does this say about me? And what does it say about God? And what does it say about life? What does it say about me? I'm dealing with a setback, and maybe it's something that I caused. What does that say about me and who I am? Or maybe it's something that I didn't cause, and I'm just like, man, God, why do I always feel like I'm the redheaded stepchild? No, no offense, redheads. Why do I always feel like I'm the redheaded stepchild? Why do I always feel like I'm the other? Like you love everybody else, but you love them deeper and differently than you love me. You care for everybody else around me, but you care for me differently or you care for me less. What does it say about me? And also says, what does it say about God, about his nature and character? Well, let's look at the, our passage for this morning. Look at 8. Chapter 8 of Romans, verse 26. A hope, uh, even when things are difficult. Do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts, that's the Father, knows what is in the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, what? What's that next word there? Okay, this is where you got to say something. Where all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. All things. So, so this is one of those coffee cup verses, right? This is one of those Christian calendar verses. This is one of those Christian t-shirt verses. This is one of those things that somebody says to you after something goes wrong and you, you're like, you're just angry that they said, it. well, you know, all things work together for good. And, and you're just like, and you're like, that's no help for me right now. Or, I, or maybe you feel like, I feel like that should be help, but it doesn't feel like help for me right now. All things work together for good. Like, just be smiles and just go out and think positive thoughts. You can, like, just go and know every, this, is, this is really good. And you're like, this is really not. This is really not good. This is really difficult. 
And, and here's the thing that we have to remember, first of all, whenever bad things happen to us, whenever setbacks occur, whether it's either our fault or it happens to us and it doesn't seem to be our fault. Here's the first thing we have to remember is that we are finite beings. You know what that means? That means that we are not infinite. We lack full knowledge. God, God is infinite. That's a part of his nature and his character. You know what that means? That means that God has, knows no space and knows no time. And at any given point, he is everywhere all at once. He is omniscient. That means that he knows everything that is going on all at one time without exerting any efforts at all. At this very moment, he knows how many hairs are on my head. He knows what I am saying and what I'm about to say. He knows every single thing that I have said. He knows how many fish are swimming in the sea. And he knows all of that all at one time without exerting any amount of efforts. He is infinite. And you and I are not. I can't remember where I put my phone. The only reason I really have an, uh, I don't really use my Apple Watch for all the things that it should be used for is mostly for me to help me find my phone whenever I lose it. <laughs> God is infinite and I am not. I cannot see everything laid out at once. I only see what I can see at this moment. And I only have the limited amount of knowledge that I have at this very moment. You know how when you watch uh, a football game, like, it just seems so apparent, like, that dude's open, just throw it to him. But you know what? You see from the perspective of the camera that's showing the whole field at once from a bird's eye view. That quarterback is behind an offensive line that may very well be taller than he is, being attacked by people coming at him from the other side. He can only see what he can see at that moment going very fast. You had the benefit of seeing it unfold in a bird's eye view and then seeing it as super slow motion. He sees it at real time with people coming at him trying to take his head off. God sees everything all at once and we can only see what we can see at any given time. Joseph, back in the Old Testament, he had this, he had some dreams, and he's like, man, these are awesome dreams, and he very inadvisedly shared them with his brothers, and his brothers said, oh man, uh, you are too full of yourselves, we are going to kill you. So not healthy family dynamics, and we're going to kill you, and then they said, well, instead of that, we're going to sell you into slavery. So hey, he's the favored son of his father, but he shares these dreams with his brothers, that the, the, and the dream in, in, entailed the brothers bowing down to him. He's in turn sold into slavery. Hey, that's a setback. And he had to be thinking at the bottom of that pit, and then whenever he's taken into slavery, being taken to a strange land, God, what are you doing? This thing is not going the way you promised and told me it was going to go. This thing is over. I, I can, I'm, he, I'm sure he despaired. I'm sure he was discouraged. We wouldn't expect him to be anything else, but you and I, if you've been around and you read the story, you know how it ends. And so you think, man, he just kind of floated through this whole, like, being tried to, like, almost being killed by your brothers, sold into slavery. You get into the, a slave's house. Uh, it says that God's, you're running this great man's house, then in the right, righteous decision, you refuse. She accuses you of trying to rape her to her husband. Her husband gets angry, and then he throws you into prison. Another setback. And you had to be thinking, if you were him, like, God, what in the world are you doing? You have to be full of despair and discouragement. 
But then it says that in the prison, God was with him, and God raises him up in the prison until he's in charge of the prison under only the warden. Then these two servants of Pharaoh end up in the prison after he's been in there a while. They have these dreams. You interpret the dreams. One goes poorly. The other is great. And you say this one thing. You say, hey, please remember me whenever you are restored to Pharaoh and get back into his house. Please remember me for I'm wrongfully accused and I'm stuck in this prison. And then what happens? And I don't even know how this happens. Three days later, the man is restored to Pharaoh and it says that he forgot Joseph. Again, you have to be thinking like, God, what in the world is going on here? You have to be discouraged. You have to be disappointed and you have to be wondering, God, what does this say about me and what does this say about you? And then finally one day, he's restored. He comes and he interprets Pharaoh's dream. And Pharaoh makes him second command of all of Egypt, the most powerful nation in the world. And if you know the stories, his, his brothers end up coming to look for help and for food in the middle of this drought. And he goes through this whole rigmarole with them. But finally, what he tells them, whenever he is revealed of who he is, he tells them, hey, at the very end, actually, they don't think he's going to try to kill them when their, their father dies. He says, hey, what you meant for evil, God meant for what? For good, so that many people might be saved. See, Joseph lacked perspective because he was finite. But you and I, we see his story and we see the ups and downs all the way through. We say, oh man, it was worth it in the end. But what you and I lack on our own lives is that perspective. We can't see over the mountain when we're in the valley. That's all that we can see is what is going wrong and what is tough and what is discouraging and what is hard. And the first thing we have to remember ourselves, and that's what he, that Paul is telling us here, likewise the Spirit helps us in our weakness. You know what that weakness is? The weakness is our inability to know what God is doing. That's what our weakness is. Our weakness is our inability to know what God is doing and understand what he's doing. He says that we don't even know how to pray from this or would you help me through it? because we don't know what God is doing, because we are finite. That's the first thing that we have to remember, that we are finite. We can only see what we can see. And the next thing we have to remember is that we are fallible. Not only are we finite, but we are fallible. You know what fallible means? Fallible means even at our best, we're prone to mess up. Even at our best, we're prone to not really understand what God is doing. Even at our best, we're prone to drop the ball. And we do that continually. But you know what we tend to do? Is we tend to forget that God is the one who's fine, and he is good, and he is great. And we tend to think that we are good, and we are great, and we have, that we are infallible when we are not. Our judgment isn't clear as people because all that we can see in the moment, when Joseph was in the pit, when Joseph was on the back of the camel being taken into Egypt, when Joseph was wrongfully accused in Potiphar's house, whenever he was in jail, whenever he was forgotten by the man who he helped to, to interpret his dream, every single one of those times, he, I'm sure he thought, God, you have dropped the ball or something is wrong with me or something is wrong here. He did not have clear judgment 
but God knew what he was doing with his life. And let me tell you, God knows what he is doing with your life, and God knows what he is doing with our church. Building or no building, King's Campus or not, grow fast or grow slow. God knows what he is doing with us, and God knows what he is doing with you. He is infinite, and he is infallible, and he is God Almighty, and we can trust him, and we lack the ability to have proper judgment to know what he is doing whenever all that we can see is in the valley. We can't see over the mountain because only God can. The Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we don't know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us. We have to remember that we're fallible. We have to remember that we're finite. We also have to remember that we're divided as people, right? Like if you're a believer, you're in your heart of hearts, your soul of souls, you desire that God will be glorified in this world, you desire that God will be glorified in your life, it's comfortable. I would really like to be made much of. I would really like to be, uh, have security, or at least be secure in the way that I feel secure. God, I would really like to, to, to experience pleasure. We, we have these conflicting desires. We're divided in our souls. Like, God, I desire above all things your glory, and yet I also desire in other parts of me my glory. We are both righteous and sinful at the same time. We have to remember that we have limited perspective because we're finite, we're fallible, and we're divided. We don't even know how to pray as we ought to pray. How do we respond to setbacks as believers? We have to remember, first of all, that we have limited perspective, but next we have to remember that we have unlimited help. The Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we don't know what to pray for as we ought, but, remember last week? Man, well, I would say buts are awesome in Scripture, but you guys would probably take that the wrong way, but this word, B-U-T, but, is awesome in Scripture, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. This, we have to remember that we have limited perspective, but we have unlimited help, and this is a precious promise for Christians. For those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. So, so here's what this means. It means that if you love God, if you love God, then that love that you have for God it did not originate from you. It is a response to God's effectual call upon your life, to those who are called according to his purpose. It means that God determined that you would be a son or daughter of his, and he went after you with never failing, never ending, never giving up, 
always and forever love, to secure you as his child, and in response, you therefore love him. And if you love him, you know that you have been effectually called by him to be his child. And if you are, if you find that love of God, even if it's at times it's weak, and even if it's time it's, it feels like it's failing, if you have a love, that love for God in your heart, then you can know that all things will work together, or not just will work together, but the, the picture here is that both God the Father and the Spirit are working or weaving all things together for your good. That's how you can have the assurance. Otherwise, it's hard to figure out, isn't it? Because whenever you're in the pit, whenever you're struggling, whenever you're experiencing a setback, and it is your, your eyes are filled with tears and your heart is broken, it's hard to know. It's hard to know what is going on. But if you say, I know that I love the Lord and I know that that love did not originate from me, it's because he loved me first and he came after me. We love him because he loved us first. Then you can know he is working. I am limited in my perspective, but I have unlimited help that is working for me on my behalf. Our help is unlimited in depth. Look at this. The Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. What that means? That means God knows just how weak we are, that he says you will even mess up in knowing what to pray whenever you're in this, when you're in the valley and you don't know God, I don't know whether to pray if you would deliver me or get me through this. I don't even know if I can feel like praying right now. It says that the Spirit himself helps you to pray, and then it also says that he prays in himself. He intercedes for us with the Father. And though we don't always know the will of the Father, the Spirit always knows the will of the Father. And the Spirit, because of that, his prayers are always answered, and so you can be assured that God, the Father, is going to answer. He is working for your good because, listen to this, because Jesus is at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. That means that his work on the cross as the stand between for you and God, as your righteousness on on. As, your, as his righteousness, your righteousness on your behalf, he's seated at the right hand. It says that he is interceding for you before the Father. Then it also says the Spirit is interceding for you. You know what that means? That means two persons of the triune God are interceding that the purposes of the Father would be accomplished in your life. Well, what can happen? Who can overcome that? Jesus Christ and the Spirit of the living God are interceding on your behalf that his good would be accomplished for you no matter where you are and what you're going through and no matter what you have done. No matter what you have even done because all things includes things that you and I have done including poor decisions, stupid decisions, and outright sin. He is working all those, weaving all those things together. What that does not mean is that everything that happens is good. It does not mean that everything that happens is good. It does not mean that for the believer, life is like tiptoeing on clouds and rainbows. 
It means that when really tough things happen and things that we think are good are happening, we know that God is taking those things and he has the power and unlimited desire to work those things together for his glory and our ultimate good. Our help is unlimited in depth. Even though we don't know how to pray, he comes down to us and pulls us up in our weaknesses and says, you don't know what to pray, I'll pray for you. His power, our help is unlimited in scope. He is working what things? All things. The good things? Yes. The bad things? Yes. Weaving all those things together. Things that people have done to you? Yes. Good things? Bad things? Yes. Things that you have done, good decisions, bad decisions, sinful decisions, including those? Yes, it says all things he is working or weaving those things together, the good and the seemingly bad. He's working them together for our good. Our help is unlimited in depth, and our help is unlimited in scope or breadth, and our help is unlimited in power. The full power of the Godhead is at work to accomplish his glory, pillow to sleep on at night. That's something to get you excited. I, I, can't, <laughs> I can't dance. I lack uh, coordination and rhythm. Other than that, you know, I'm really close to being able to dance. But, it, but, but last night, as I was thinking about this and praying about this and reading about this, the house was empty, everybody was asleep, I found myself literally dancing in the kitchen because I'm like, man, this is really good news. God, your help is unlimited in depth and is unlimited in scope and breadth and is unlimited in power. Man, that doesn't make things any less disappointing, but it does. Know, I do know that deep below that disappointment, God is working something that I cannot see and I cannot know, but it is for his glory and it is for my ultimate good and I can trust in that. So, when we know that, when something bad happens, when a setback happens, when we don't get the church building or you get that, that incredibly disappointing and discouraging news from your doctor or you find yourself in a situation in your marriage or your kids, how do we approach that? Because we know that God could work out circumstances differently, right? God could very easily have a stranger walk up to us and hand us a briefcase with $2.8 million in it, and walk away. He could do that. It would be shady, but it would, it would. <laughs> I wouldn't ask questions, by the way. If, if you want to bring me a briefcase full of money, I will not ask you any questions about where it came from. That's between you and God at that point. But what do we do whenever he doesn't work it out that way? What do we do when we are disappointed? Well, first thing that we do is we trust in God's goodness. God is good all the time. And we can recall how good he's been to us. You can, you can recall how he's good he's been to others around you. And ultimately, we know he's good because we see what he did for us in Jesus, offering us salvation free of charge, when we could not earn it or deserve it. Have you ever heard an older saint who's nearing death say, man, God failed me? Ever heard a saint say, man, he, he let me down? 
man, I put my trust in him. I, I pushed the chips in. I gave him my whole life, and he dropped the ball on me. No. You always hear them say, he is better than I ever thought he was. He is more worth it than I ever thought that he was. Fellowship and life with him is deeper and better and greater and more good than I ever expected or thought that it could be. We trust in God's goodness and we submit to his will because we remember that he is trustworthy. That's why we should hide his word in our heart because it's, it's his word when the chips are down and disappointments are flowing and I'm just discouraged and things are bad happening around me that I remember and I can trust that he is good and I can submit to his will and I can come to him as a child comes to their father. And you know why I can come to him as a child comes to his father? Because Jesus Christ, his and if you are a child of God, then you are a co-heir with Christ. And you can approach God the Father even when things are, are discouraging and sad and disappointing as a child comes to his father saying, God, help. And help me understand where I don't understand. And when I, you don't grant me understanding, help me to simply rest here in your lap and know that I'm in your arms and that you are mighty and you are good and you are trustworthy. And help me to submit to your will for me because we know we can't understand his ways even when even at our best we cannot understand and in doing so we remember that Jesus walked that same road right before he died in the garden he said what father if there's any possible way let this cup pass from me even Jesus prayed that to his father and we can say pray the same prayer but trust and know that I'll submit to what you have for us, but yet not my will, but yours be done for the ultimate good for me and for others. We have limited perspective. We have God is working all things together for good. All things together. Everything, what we have done, what's been done to us, natural occurrences, all of them, that are seemingly good and seemingly bad, the picture here is of him taking them all together like a master weaver, and he's taking these things and he's weaving them, and he says, oh, no, that's not beyond me. No, I'm, don't worry, I'm working my plan. Is this the way a weaver weaves? I don't know, this is, what a, this is the way a weaver weaves this morning. I'm weaving them together, I'm piecing them together into something that is more beautiful than you can imagine. Because you know what's true? is there are things that we think are good that aren't ultimately good for us. And there are things that, that are bad, but they are not beyond his control and his working, his weaving them together for his, good, his glory and our good. And here's what we, how we can know that. And here's what we know he is doing. Verse 28, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. Now, look ahead at verse 29. For, this is how we can know that all things work together for good. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined 
to be conformed to the image of his son in order that, they might be, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorify. Listen to the tense that he used there. It's not future tense, it's past tense because it's done in Christ for us. Here's how we know that everything is working for our ultimate good. That ultimate good is God is working to conform us to Christ and he has determined that every single person, every single child that he has called and that he is predestined, will be conformed to his image. They will, are, will be justified, and they are, will be glorified in the end. Like Joseph said, what you meant for evil, God meant for good, that many might be saved. So what effect should this have on us? Well, number one, it should humble us, right? I'm not in control. I lack perspective. God is all-powerful, and he is working good that I cannot even begin to comprehend. And I know that the good is not just getting us in a building or getting you that, that spouse or that child or that money or that job or whatever it is that we lost or that we didn't get. We know that he is working to enable us to take risks and be okay with the outcome. It doesn't make us live tight. It makes us live free and humble. A humble life is a free life. And it makes us say, I can move and I can take risks and be okay with whatever the outcomes are because I know that God is at work and he is in control and he is working all things for his glory and for my good. We know God's working for his glory. We know God working, is working for our good. And we know, we know that he will accomplish his purpose in his church at large. And we know he will accomplish his, pur his purpose for us as a church, not because we are great, not because of our wisdom, not because of decisions that we do or don't make about a building or any other decision, but because he is working out his plan to conform us to the image of his son, and, I, and he uses his church and us individually, not just as he works within us, but he works around us for the good of many people like we see in Joseph. What you meant for evil, God meant for good, for the saving of many. Man, that's how I wanna live my life. That's how I want us to live life as a church and how we should respond to setbacks and disappointments because they will happen, but we know. And he's good is great, and he is working things that we cannot imagine for his glory and for our good. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Doxa Church. We are so glad that you took the time to join us today. At Doxa, we exist to make disciples who joyfully worship Jesus with their whole lives. We invite you to join us Doxa Church meets at 10 a.m. every Sunday at River Oaks Elementary School. For more information about Doxa Church, please visit us online at www.doxachurch.org.